I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 72 of Season 6 of Movie Our Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Dunham of the Ghibli Minute. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to come back again today. To continue listening to the way that Potter is trying to uh, tear apart George's soul. <laughs> That's more or less the way it is. <laughs> so minute 72 begins with Potter continuing to try to, to reassure uh, George that, that he's not dreaming. <laughs> and ends with George actually getting quite excited and being being all ready to, to, to jump on board. So yesterday we, 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 were, we ended things with uh, Potter making George an offer that most people could not refuse, and George, including George. George is not ready to refuse it. He, he's in so much shock of this offer that you know he begins to you know have delusions that maybe you know someone is behind him. And that Potter's not talking to him, you know, that he's dreaming. I mean, again, if someone if someone were to invite me to a meeting and tell me that they're going to be paying me half a million dollars or the equivalent of half a million dollars uh, to, to do to do the same work that I that I'm already good at. So, you know, uh, OK, I'd be shocked, too. So it, have, it you, makes have sense. you ever been like offered like a, a raise or like been recruited away from a job or anything like that? Um, I have. Uh, I I've. I've been offered, but uh, the the loyalty to my day job, uh, you know, is is too great for me. You know, I've I've been I've been doing the same oh. day job for 27 years. So, you know, for for me, I've been offered to go to other places and do the same thing. But you know, sometimes when you feel that something a place is your home, you you don't want to leave it. Doesn't matter what what they're going to offer you. Even if it was it was it was it uh, ten times. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would like to believe that that is true, because again, I, I feel, you know, I, I, I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy who, you know, the people I work with, and I, again, the, the place feels home to me. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I would like to believe that, I, like I said, I've had offers, uh, serious offers, and I never took any of them because it wasn't worth mm -hmm. it, you know. You know, it's still, it's the way we all are. <laughs> Everyone is like George stuff. Bailey here. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't work at the, the saving of the building and loan though. <laughs> I have I have less of an effect on Bedford Falls. How's that? <laughs> and you know, so so it ended yesterday with with uh, George basically saying, "You do know who you're talking to. This is I'm George Bailey." And he goes, and so Potter responds, "Yes, George Bailey." 
and he continues today by saying, yeah, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, provided come in. provided he has enough brains to climb aboard. <laughs> I mean, even with his, uh, I mean, Lionel Barrymore delivers these lines so well. And, you know, when they wrote this, they wrote the character of Potter amazingly. They gave him such great, uh, you know, very, th- these, his dialogue is very deep. Yeah. You know, but. It's a, there's very, you know, this kind of, there's a thrust and then like a twist, right? <laughs> like that's every, right. every, every, uh, every statement he makes, there's that's like, right. you know, there's an extra barb uh, that's right. in, hidden in there. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's your ship has just come in as long as you have enough brains to climb aboard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Yeah. You know. Um. So, do you know the the idea of uh, what it means to have a ship come in? Oh, so I'm familiar with the meaning of the phrase, but I don't know. You're gonna are you gonna tell us like the origin of it? Well, uh, the origin. Know. It's it's funny. The the origin is very simplistic. It's the idea that that merchants, you know, would would send goods. Uh, aboard ships to be sold oh, was, and they would get money back for you know when the ships come back so the idea was is okay you send a ship out with uh i don't know some sort of treasure and it comes back with money so that that's the idea that your ship coming in meaning your ship has returned with with the money you know you sent it with something else and now it's back with money right and it's it, it was uh, very much a you know, it was kind of a gamble, right? Yes. You know, because mm-hmm. anything could happen to, like, you know, That's right. it's gone for months at a time, right? And so you don't know if it's been sunk or, you know, they weren't able to make the trades that you were expecting them to make or something. So, yeah. Right, which which I think is part of the whole, whole idea here because, you know, the, you know, what, what Potter is basically saying to George is that you've been gambling all your life with the money that you take home every week from, from the building and loan. And now here, look, look on the horizon. There is a ship coming in that is going to be giving you all this money. It's here. You know, you've been waiting all your life for this ship to, to be here. And now it's here. Now you just have to be smart enough to, to actually agree and get on board the ship and take what's, take what's, uh, what's being offered to you. So I, I, I like the, 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 the play on words, the way that this is, is done here, you know, even with the, with the, the different jibes. Or jabs that uh, that Potter is is giving throughout, you know, by by basically saying he's he's implying that you don't have that you that you're not that smart and you just need to be smart right yeah. now, you know. But you know, by implying something like that, why does he, you know, from a business perspective, why does he want it? <laughs> he wants him just to be able to crush the building and loan, which is something he's been trying to do for decades. And it's worth $20,000 a year for at least three years to That's do it, right. I guess, by the time those Well, we don't know yet up. for it's for three years. That we're not sure to start. That oh, we're not okay. sure yet. You know, in this minute, we'll, we'll come across that. Yeah, no, that's fine. You're jumping in just slightly. But, but uh, I mean, we'll get there in a second. And then his response is, holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, because I guess that goes back to where you were saying, you know, yesterday about uh, – you know your your show being family friendly, so I you know the movies in the forties were much more family fa- family friendly from that perspective, where you can say holy mackerel, because if if this was today, 
the colorful metaphors that that the character would be using at this point uh, would would be quite high. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then George goes into his his um, natural mode and says, "Okay, well, what about the building and loan?" And Potter just looks at him with disgust after he says that. He goes, "Oh, confounded man! Are you afraid of success? Are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three-year contract of twenty thousand dollars a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it?" So, I mean, for me. The, have you ever heard the word confounded? The phrase? It's a very confounded? Word. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, I've never I don't think I've ever used it in a in a uh you know in a sentence before. Really? Um I mean it's it's basically uh you know, damn it. That's what it more or less yeah, means. Yeah. Um it's it's used when expressing anger, frustration, or surprise. So in in this case, I believe with Potter, uh, you could say that it's frustration. You know, he's frustrated that he that that George is not that simple to buy off. Yeah. So confound is like to mean to uh, confuse or to block or to stymie, right? So mm-hmm. it's some, confound it is, yeah, curse it or to yeah. damn it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This uh, confound this. Uh, you could say this damn telephone, use this confounded telephone or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I've seen this movie. This movie was so much part of my childhood. So when you ask, like, have you ever heard this phrase before? I, I don't know if it's like the first time I heard it was in this movie, but I heard it like as a child. Like, so, okay. you know, because <laughs> this movie was on. So, you know, I, I don't know if I encountered it elsewhere before this, but definitely, probably every every piece of dialogue is 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 uh, is kind of burned into my brain from having seen this movie growing up uh, so often. Right. Okay. I mean, uh, that, that 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 makes. I mean, obviously, when whenever I ask uh, in general, I ask someone if they've if they're familiar with a with a phrase, you know, my point is is outside of this movie, <laughs> not here, because it's part <laughs> of the dialogue. But 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 you're right. When it comes to that, I mean, this is actually a good point then to ask you what what is your history with this movie? Yeah, like I said, I mean, this is something you know when uh, it was always on TV when I was growing up, especially when you know the copyright was lost and it was uh, that period like in the seventies and eighties when, you know, TV stations could just throw it on without paying any royalties. So Mm -hmm. I think my early memories is of, you know, my dad would set up uh, like a gift wrapping station in his bedroom uh for like a few weeks before christmas and you know you'd wander in there and there'd be wrapping paper all you know there'd be a card table set up and wrapping paper covered with wrapping paper and occasionally like he would be wrapping something that wasn't mine you know so i could go in there and uh this movie was usually on in the background so that's kind of formed one of my core memories of of christmas is uh as having that on during the kind of the family holiday activities oh well very cool and is it something that you that you watch on a yearly basis at this point or you don't need to because you know all by heart uh, i don't, <laughs> don't need i've like all of them i've got all of them 
I could probably recite it from memory. So I did sit down and watch it again uh, the other day in preparation for this podcast. But uh, I usually, you know, watch pieces of it here and there. And like maybe not every year, but every couple of years, I'll sit down and watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's very watchable. Oh, and once it's sure. on, you know, if I catch it on, I'll just sucked in. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. I I can't blame you for that. That's for sure. Um, and basically we we have Potter use a phrase, is it a dealer, isn't it? And and th- that got my mind thinking, you know, about the, 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 the game show. Let's make a deal. Yeah. Okay, what you deal or no deal or no no not deal or no deal. I'm talking I guess about it's let's a separate a deal. game show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going back to the seventies here, you know, or sixties, seventies. What um I mean you're you're familiar with the with the show with Monty Hall, let's make a deal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a show that uh that ran from nineteen sixty three to nineteen seventy six. Okay. How many episodes do you think they had of the game show in those 13 years, 13 seasons, 14 seasons. No, thir- uh, 13 and a half seasons, I guess you could say. I'm going to guess about a thousand. There were almost 3,800 episodes. 3,800. Yeah, okay. there was wow. 3,784. Which, if you put in that into the inflation calculator. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like, how many episodes did they do a year then? That's like 3,800. Divided by what, 13? Yeah. They're doing almost 300 episodes a year. That's right. Well, again, five days, five days a week. Um, that That's what syndicated shows do, don't they? Or not syndicated. Yeah. That's what, uh, you know, daily game shows. Uh, it, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you were to, div- you know, divide it by 13 seasons, so you get 291 episodes uh, a season. So I guess that sort of makes sense, you know, because yeah, if, you were, to, like if you were to divide that by fifty-two, so it, it's uh, it's actually a little more than five days a, a week. Yeah, maybe they had like specials. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Don't know. And then and then it was syndicated for for six years from nineteen seventy-one to seventy-seven, where they had another two hundred and eighty-one episodes, only, you know, over six years. That that's not very many. And then it was it was brought back in 1981 for one season, and they had 195 episodes. And then it was brought back again from 1984 to 1986 for 340 episodes. And then they, they so brought. Who, were these? Uh, do you know who the who were the hosts? Who anybody we would know for this? It was it revivals? was it was mostly. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Monty Hall was brought back. Uh, for, oh really. I mean, you had the, the 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 four people who have been the hosts throughout this indication, and again, it, I didn't even. There's even more than what I just mentioned so far. So you had Monty Hall, Bob Hilton, Billy Bush, and Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady does the the, the modern version of it. Okay, but uh, I mean, that, that's just a lot of episodes that they they made of it. Um, and it's been running since 2009 right now, and they have. Uh, they have over two thousand uh, episodes that that uh, that have come out with that. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, the the whole idea of let's make a deal 
was uh, that uh, you know you have all the people in the audience and they they give them choices. You know that people usually would would dress up. It was like a a Halloween uh, uh, extravaganza. Everyone is always coming, uh, you know, dressed up in uh, various uh, outrageous, uh, unique costumes, stuff like that, to be you know chosen to be one of the traitors. Uh, traitors with a D, not traitors with a T. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the whole idea is is that the the uh, the host walks through the audience and, uh, you know, picks different members of the studio audience. And, you know, he, he offers them something of value and gives them a choice of whether to keep it or to exchange it for, for something else. But they don't know what they're exchanging it for. You know, the idea is, is that the, the, the item that they're exchanging it for is hidden, uh, you know, either behind a, behind a door or behind a, uh, under, in a box, so, whatever it is. So, so they don't know. So it's just a question of trying to decide, you know, if you want something that's, uh, you know, do you think that what, what we're going to offer you is something of equal or greater value to the prize that you got? Um, you know, which I, I, some of the episodes that I recall seeing were, were pretty funny, you know, where, where people, you know, would end up getting some really, really strange things at the end. Like people would get a goat, you know, to take home or something like that. Um, like martinis, like martinis code. Yes, that's right. That's right. Which which we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. This it's it's very strange that they have the dog and the goat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that again. So so his phrase of "is it a deal or isn't it?" just really made it. It made me think of of uh, you know of that show. Um, so are you uh, so are you uh, aware of the Monty Hall problem? Is it? Um, I'm aware of the Monty Hall problem. Would Would you like to discuss it? <laughs> <laughs> so as we're talking, so this is, I guess uh, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia article about it, but it's uh, it's kind of based. On, it's a probability problem. You have three doors, and you pick one door, and it's you know the, you have the prize is behind one of those doors and behind the other two doors, there's not a price. It's you know, as simple as that. So if you pick any door, you have a one in third chance of getting the prize, right? Right. On your first pick. So you make a pick and then it's revealed. One of the other doors that you didn't pick is opened. And uh, the problem, the should you switch you have the option to switch doors right at that point after one door is opened should you switch right is your is the does the probability change if you switch and the answer is yes you have a better chance of winning if you switch after the uh after the after that the reveal of that one door yeah so it's kind of a counterintuitive result but doesn't really make sense to me <laughs> even now, i've i think i've had it explained a couple of times to me and even as like a math major i didn't really get it <laughs> so uh, probably wasn't a very good math I, mean, major. I i always love how in different you know science problems and you know different things that that that, that you see you know how, how pop culture you know gets into it you know like and this is a perfect example of that you know that they 
they they name a paradox, you know, in in the probability theory, the Monty Hall problem. You know, it's like, yeah, why not? You know, it, it, it goes. It well, goes. Yeah, like, why why name it after the author of the paper? That would make right. sense. That's right. No, but the author of the paper is probably a Monty Hall fan, you know, which which makes yeah. sense. I mean, I, I still remember the fact that you know, uh, I think I heard a comedian say this at some point or something like that that. Uh, you know, a lot of sci-fi from even the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even now, it's it, it pushes forward, it advances uh, technology because someone thought of an idea. Even, okay, let's even go back to a simplistic one. You know, the Star Trek TV show in the 60s, okay, the idea that you stand in front of a door and the door will automatically open. Now, back then, they didn't have that technology. They had people opening the doors, you know, from behind, but making it seem as if it's something futuristic. And, and, you know, there was some kid that saw this in the TV show and says, Hey, that is a great idea. I'm going to invent that. And now we have, you know, you can stand in front of a door and the door automatically opens, you know, that's right. I will, I will never forget. This was 30 years ago. I was with a friend of mine at like a rest stop, you know, we were we were on a cross country trip, and we we went in to go use the bathrooms, and and uh, when you stand away from the urinal, you know, so the the it would it would automatically flush. You know, and he turns to me, and goes, "Wow, I feel like I'm in Star Trek." You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, technology, uh, science fiction pushes technology forward. You know, that that's what it comes down to. And it's really, really cool to see that. And then, uh, what is your read on uh, on uh, Mr. Potter's like servant here, butler or valet? He's like standing. He reminds me of Lurch because he doesn't yeah, say a, a word. Bit. Yeah, he's just standing there the entire time. This entire movie, he he's does got not have his one... hand like. He's got That's his hand like clutching part of uh, Mr. Potter's chair, like the back of yeah. his chair kind of like a it's, it's weird like comforting kind of pose or something that's right he's saying to himself you're offering this guy twenty thousand dollars <laughs> i get a thousand <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> yeah it's 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 very possible <laughs> yeah why, what do you think of him he has to listen to potter like do this all day every day right he has to like how much poison has he been like witness to and had to kind of swallow like without saying anything i mean i i don't know does he he doesn't look happy right he looks pretty dour-faced gentleman right so well again he's dour-faced uh, because because they just offered george a hell of a lot more money than he gets <laughs> <laughs> it's a good reason for him to get upset um, I, I think yeah. of him as, as a henchman. You know, this is Jaws or Odd Job or Mayday or someone you know who's who's standing there, you know, waiting for this Bond villain to you know to to need his services in in getting rid of this this. Uh, he does, I mean, he meddling do anything. This meddling kid, George, though. No, no, no. Yeah, he's he's just uh, because he he hasn't been given you know the the order. To sick him. Yeah, he's <laughs> chopper <laughs> with bees in his mouth. So that when he barks, they shoot bees at you. 
There you go. So we see him. Uh, I think the most we see him do is like, you know, uh, when later in the movie we see uh, Potter like give him orders to like move his chair yeah. around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though Potter can stand assuming, up on his own. <laughs> I'm assuming it's the same guy. I don't. I, I wonder how. What, what's the tenure? Like, is there is there a lot of turnover? in uh in the potter uh, household or does he does he pay enough for people to kind of swallow his this garbage i i have a feeling it is the same actor throughout the entire movie even even back in 1919 when we saw yeah so this is i mean again we've talked about this numerous times over the last uh, few months but potter is ageless you know he he was known as old man potter 20 something years ago (laughs) And he's still old man yeah. Potter. You know, he he definitely has has taken a uh, a potion, or or maybe maybe he's uh, you know maybe he he maybe the picture on the wall is like the picture of Dorian Gray. You know, it's the picture of Harry yeah. Potter of <laughs> Harry go. Potter. The picture the picture of Henry Potter. You know, even though maybe maybe he's not a muggle. You know, that is possible also. You know. He's he, he uses that black magic to keep himself uh, young young enough, but still looking old. <laughs> that would be my guess. And you know, so so maybe maybe this magic works for whoever his henchman is behind him. Oh yeah, maybe maybe that's why he's. The loyalty comes from me. Hey, you can take a sip of this. That's the right. immortality potion. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It makes sense. At this point, uh, George staggers back a little bit and goes, "Well, Mr. Potter, I, I, I know I ought to jump at the chance, but I just, uh, I, I, I wonder if it would be possible for you to give me 24 hours to think it over." And Potter jumps on this right away because he he believes he's got got this, you know, in the bag. And he goes, "Sure, sure, sure. You go on home." Talk about it to your wife. I, I I'd like to do that. Yeah. In the meantime, I'll drop the papers. All right, sir. Okay, George. And then Potter puts out his hand, and George shakes his hand and goes, "Okay, Mister Potter." I would see just the his expression just fall right at the end. That's of right. Minute. That's right. Because you know he it, it makes you wonder: Is Potter the devil? You know, is is George? George realizes he's he's about to make a deal with the devil. Yeah. And uh, now when when Potter says to him, um, you go on home and talk about it with to the wife. Is this a suggestion or is this an assumption? What, what do you mean? Is he is he telling George, go home and speak to your wife about it? Or he's saying, yeah. That's a good idea. Go home and speak to your wife about it. Meaning that because George says he needs 24 hours, you know, is he subliminally telling him, go speak to your wife, who's who will definitely want to get this money, or is is he already assuming that that's what George was going to do with his 24 hours? I think I and had the imp- I had my my read is kind of the latter that he's like, yeah, do whatever you need to do. I assume, yeah, like. Yeah, pet your dog, you know, consult with your pastor or whatever, you know, talk about it with your wife. Do whatever you need to do to come to your decision. Just just come back and, uh, you know, and and sign the... uh, Be ready to sign. That's right. Yeah. Okay, that that makes sense. 
Uh, because again, Potter is a businessman. You know, he he knows how to do business, and he's he's thrown aback by why is it that he can do business and and uh, take over everyone except for the Baileys. The Baileys are the only people who who never fall for for anything that he's trying to do. I mean, I, I like the way that that he's trying to find a way to convince to to bring George over to the other side. That type of thing. Um, and, and that's pretty much all I have for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute, Richard? Uh, nope. All right. Great. So every Tuesday we have a segment called off the beaten track, uh, uplifting or inspirational, uh, story edition where my guests will give, uh, some sort of anecdote, adventure, misadventure, a story, something that's happened to them over the course of their life that, uh, was an inspirational or uplifting moment for them. So, uh, Richard, you have a story for us? Uh, yeah, it's hard to come up with something, but I, you know, um, I do have a story of some kindness from strangers. This was back in 1993, uh, during, you can look up the, the, uh, March 93, you can look up in Wikipedia, look up 1993 storm of the century. There's an actual article about the insane snowstorm that happened in March of 93. Uh, And it was this weekend we decided to, uh, some uh, friend of mine and I decided to drive from Chicago to Ohio to see the Grateful Dead. So we just, I'm a big Grateful Dead fan, so a lot of my, a lot of my memories are about Grateful but in this particular case, uh, we uh, drove out to Richfield, and the snow was getting worse and worse. But I'm like, they can't; they're not going to cancel the show. That's never happened. You know, that wouldn't happen. I was young and naive. I was like, oh, it's <laughs> the Grateful Dead. Nothing is, nothing can stop the Grateful Dead. But they did, in fact, cancel the show because the weather was so bad. Those bastards. And uh, <laughs> those bastards. So, and we were kind of uh, driving around. We had, uh, we saw people like uh, other people like get um, stuck like in ditches on on the side of the road and just like the masses of the Grateful Dead fans, the Deadheads were like helping each other like get out of ditches and stuff. And we were, we were looking for a place to spend the night, right? So this is back before the internet, when this is back when, you know, uh, you just kind of hit the road and kind of figured things out along the way. So yeah, we didn't no have no cell phones, no internet. I remember, yeah, exactly. I remember those days. There's no, yeah, you couldn't like, you had to like have like a, like a, it's very rare to book a hotel at a time, especially like a roadside motel kind of thing. Right? That's right. You basically, you would just like, you know, drive until you saw a hotel like on an exit and pull off and see if they had a room. So we were driving around trying to find a hotel. And because of this storm, we did stop at one hotel and it was a complete zoo. It had been completely overrun by deadheads. I mean, there was just like the usual kind of bizarre like marketplace that happens like in the, parking lot of Grateful Dead shows. Mm-hmm. It was happening in like, the hallways of this hotel. Like the staff were completely overrun. They had no control of the situation. We're like, okay, this isn't 
this is fun. This is like a weird and interesting experience, but there's, <laughs> there's no way we're, we're going to find a place to sleep here. So we, we went back out on the road and it was just, again, the storm of the century is complete blizzard. We, I think we were going down some road and like we tried to turn around or something, but we wound up driving off the road and the car got stuck. And so we were like, okay, we can either, you know, we can sit in the car, I guess, try to spend the night in the car or try something else. And I think there was one guy with us who was starting to freak out quite a bit, but my friend kind of, uh, walked to the nearest house and uh, to see if they could like help us out in some way. And they actually took us in and let us stay the night. There were these dairy farmers in the middle of rural Ohio. It turned out to be the nicest couple. And we're like, they heard what we were doing. It was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. You know, it's great that you guys are young people are having adventures and they, you know, they, they, fed us breakfast in the morning and kind of showed us around like the dairy farm and we're like oh wow that's an insane amount of work that I would never <laughs> be able to do so I really admire you guys so uh, I wound up being you know like the the fun adventures which is the whole point of of uh, going out on the road when you're young like that so I want to thank you know I always appreciate that uh, the couple that took in like a bunch of uh, uh, uh couple of uh deadheads you know strangers yeah deadheads <laughs> <laughs> some unwashed hippies for the night so very much they were a very lo- lovely lovely couple oh wow very cool thank you very much for sharing that story with us uh so you want to uh tell people where they can find you yeah you can find uh, me at my website donamrc.com that has links to my two uh podcasts ghibli minute and akira minute and also has links to uh, my social accounts on X, Twitter, Mastodon, and uh, Blue Sky. All right. Very good. And while you do that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, moveyourupminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. You truly, truly did life with its sorrow, life with its tears.